Welcome to the Fracture Line, the official weekly news feed from the Chest Wall Injury Society, where we will listen to all the bottom line CWIS updates, shout outs, fun facts, and weekly banner. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Crisco, and I'm joined always by Dr. Tom White, Dr. Adam Kay, and Sarah Ann Woodbeck. Welcome back to Fracture Line, everybody. We're really excited to have Daniel Quadrado. Dan, as usual, we like to have the guest hosts just introduce themselves. Give us a little flavor of who you are, where you are, what you're all about. Go for it. The floor is yours. So I'm Dan Quadrado. I'm a general thoracic surgeon in the Army. I'm stationed out at JBLM, so Joint Base Lewis-McChord. I work at Madigan Army Medical Center. I've been here uh, since 2014. I was at Vanderbilt before that. In terms of, you know, uh, chest wall stuff, I, I was really lucky in my residency that I got to rotate with Bill Long down at Legacy Emanuel. I mean, this was back in the days of taking mandibular plates and bending them for about, you know, an hour and a half to get three ribs done. But it would really kind of turn me on to just doing that in fellowship, never got to do any, but you know, coming back on active duty afterwards, we see a lot of rib fractures. I mean, young army guys like to break their ribs. And it was at the point where I was at first just seeing them after you know months of pain and, and then started getting to see them earlier. Uh, in terms of my military career, so I deployed with the Joint Special Operations Command for nine years, so I've deployed nine times. I'm winding down my career now, and Madigan's a level two trauma center, so we do get you know some trauma, but the place where I'll be working when I get out is also level two, so I hope to keep this going on. Where are you headed after? Uh, it's St. Joe's in Tacoma. Great, awesome. Well, exactly where I'm seeing clinics today, so. That's a, that's a great story. Actually, I got the luxury of meeting Dan, oh, a few months ago out in Vegas. We partied it up in Vegas at a, at a course we taught together, so. No, we didn't really party it up, but. And by that, you mean he kept you in line, right? Tried to keep up. That sounds about uh, yeah. right. There you go. <laughs> so, what was that like working with Doctor Long? Tell us about that. I've, I've, you know, the Bill Long Award. It was great. You know, he was also a general thoracic surgeon. It was like maybe a year or two after they had published a study in flail chest, and then using a volumetric CT scan. So he was really passionate about it, and it was just I'd never been exposed to fixing ribs. I mean. It was uh, just just seeing him and the planning that went into it, and and each you know it was these were long cases and you know but good big open cases, and we're doing them on eighty year olds, ninety year olds, and they're getting off the ventilator, getting out of the hospital, so it was really rewarding and just it was a great experience, probably midpoint of my residency. That's awesome. Where have you all been deployed? You said you've been deployed five times. Uh, nine, nine times. So I've been to uh, Iraq, Syria three times, Afghanistan twice, Libya once. Somalia once, and then just uh, East Europe for some recent events, Afghanistan toward the end, at the very end, so. Wow, well, first of all, thank you for your service and, and doing that. Are you, I'm assuming you're serving as a as a surgeon when you get deployed yes. over there? Yeah, no, so with uh, with JSOC, I was part of a small surgical team that goes to support the, the folks on their missions. Any opportunities for fixation over there? Not really, you know, in terms of hardware, you know, you don't want hardware put in when you're flying in a helicopter or, you know, in a dirty hospital in, in Afghanistan. So that's always kind of been the rate limiting. You know, if they do that, that would be done, you know, back in Germany when people, you know, get out of the filth. That's incredible. And I'm sorry, what did you say your timeline is? You're, you said you're kind of winding down, but how much longer are you planning to be, you know, a part uh, of before you year. switch? Yeah, I'm in kind of my transition, my last year, transitioning out to private practice. That's very cool. Very exciting. Yeah, Do you know many time. people where you're transitioning? I mean, it will probably be kind of an interesting transition as someone who has so much experience and yet feeling like a newbie. 
Well, I'm actually in my new hospital scene clinic. I've been working kind of at both places for the last several years. Is there a chest wall program already where you are? Or are you in the process of setting that up now for yourself? Yeah, that there is. Actually, Trauma Group here uh, has been doing it for several years. Jennifer Hubbard, one of the surgeons, was the first one in the Pacific Northwest to put in the Advantage system. So that that's actually interesting, trying to break into that as a general thoracic surgeon. But we collaborate on several cases. I think that's kind of the best way to do it is we just collaborate. They're already up and running. So I'm just kind of the guy saying, hey, I'm give me some business. But it's good. It's nice because the protocols are already there. Pre-templated notes are there. You know, even folks that aren't going to get surgery are still getting a multidisciplinary, you know, the multimodal pain management based on really good protocols. So I think it's it's kind of, it's a dream. I'm kind of walking into a place that's already up and running. Just got to figure out where to fit in. What a unique and interesting opportunity to have two different disciplines be actively interested in plating patients. I wonder how you'll decide. I mean, I'm sure you'll figure something out that says, you know, this is when you guys decided to plate and this is when when I'm going to go ahead and take care of it. You know, have you guys figured that out, that algorithm of what that'll look like? Or I'm sure it'll emerge too. Yeah, not all of the group do ribs. So, you know, if, if it falls on like a week that non-rib person's there, that's an easy one. I think I do get a lot of the chronics. So folks that maybe present months later that were maybe missed. And then the other side of it is, you know, part of my practice is to take tumors that involve the chest wall. So that's actually one of my things I, I think is the most interesting is how do you use this technology now for other advanced reconstructive procedures, you know, beyond just the traumatic injuries. Is there a lot of big defects that you guys create doing a tumor resection on the chest wall? For resections? Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, I, I just did one last week. We really didn't have a good construct for that guy, so I just did, a, you know, the old school Marlex methyl methacrylate plate. But just last year, you know, I, I helped our pediatric surgeon do a four-year-old that had a really advanced sarcoma that was involving the second, third, and fourth rib. And we put together, you know, some, you know, biologic plates, you know, with kind of using that as a, as a kind of a template to just reconstruct the chest. And, you know, that's a girl as she gets older would be a really good candidate for one of those 3D printed construction templates that, you know, that are out there now, which, you know, that's, I think that's, that's a really good thing for the future. And it, that's going to apply to all our disciplines because it, you know, it involves both the surgeons who are doing chest wall now and then thoracic surgeons who may or may not and just do resections. That's really cool. Daniel, I'm curious uh, about the U.S. military's, I mean, you know, an act, as an active duty surgeon, what are their programs like for chest wall reconstruction and how does that kind of place, that structure? Because I'm a reservist, so I don't, I don't really understand what the active duty military is doing from a chest wall reconstruction standpoint. Yeah, so I would say, you know, it, the only level one trauma center that we have in the military is in San Antonio, and they're already doing it. You know, at Madigan, we're a level two, so, you know, we kind of built that program up where, you know, we just started with a simple protocol. Anyone with three or more fractures, it's a surgical consult, and, you know, myself and four of our trauma surgeons that are there would kind of divvy that workload up. But it was very easy to just protocolize it. So if you come in with three or more fractures, you automatically get a 3D reconstructed CT, and then it's an automatic surgical consult. And whether it was an inpatient consult or sometimes it would be an outpatient consult if they were otherwise ready to go home once they got their multimodal pain meds. So I think it's really easy in the military to protocolize it. Military does really well with that. But I don't think it's broad, you know, it's across all of our centers. I mean, I would say us and maybe there's one or two other level twos that are actively doing chest wall and then brook army which is our level one they're doing quite a bit now dan what about in in a roll three so for those uh, people out there that don't understand what i mean i mean rear detachments not a roll two or it's stabilization and shipping but a roll three 
you know, overseas deployed. Are soldiers or civilians getting fixated like in launch tool or are these protocols that we run overseas or are these people that are coming back for reconstructions? Well, I'm not sure if they're doing any at launch tool, but if they were, that would probably be the place to do it. I mean, you don't want to do anything in country. You know, the, the hospitals that we operate on in, in country are not by any way clean or up to, you know, up to OSHA standards. That's purely damage control. But when you get back stateside or to launch stool, you know, most times if you're injured, you can be back in the United States within 24 hours. So, you know, I think that that's going to be probably reserved for more of the, folk, the places that are receiving, you know, Walter Reed, San Antonio, or if there's ever something in the Pacific, Madigan. It's fascinating stuff. It is. It's amazing. I'm guessing that, you know, one of the areas that you'll be especially adept to is the chronic or non-acute patient. I guess I'm not articulating that well, but, you know, so many of our conversations are about plating within 48 to 72 hours. But if you're not perceiving your patients immediately, and probably you're not, as you're talking about how they delay their care, I'm sure you're seeing people in a much more extended time frame. And, you know, that delayed care, the fixation of the patient that's a non-union patient, you know, those are, those are especially difficult patients. I mean, obviously you have your peds patients that are congenital, but in terms of people that you're seeing in the military capacity, uh, you know, to cut your teeth in those kinds of patients, that's especially difficult. I'm impressed. It is, but you know, the nice thing is it's a younger, it's a young, healthy population. So it's not the same as, you know, the 50-year-old who's led a hard life and flipped their car. I mean, this is a young guy. The other side of it is I'd be much more willing to plate ribs if it's just one displaced fracture in an infantry guy that's got to put a body armor on or if they can't, they get kicked out of the military. So there's a lot of unique aspects to the military that I think it's it's underused. But, it, you know, with groups like this, I mean, it's, it's getting more out there. That's fascinating. This is probably a super naive question. But are there any issues with getting approval or, you know, like you talk about plating one rib, I mean, getting an insurance company to say, yeah, that sounds like a good idea in, you know, the, the private sector might be difficult, but I'm guessing if that returns the, the armed services member back to full capacity faster, probably is something they consider to be worth it. Is, is that a correct assumption? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, for a military surgeon in a military hospital, we don't have to deal with a lot of that pre-authorization challenges that other folks do. I mean, it, it, you really can just do what you feel is best by the soldier, and in particular for active duty. That's probably a few years from now as this gets more into the military, a study that needs to be written, like the percentage of folks that end up back on full duty, as opposed to folks that get kicked out of the service for fractures. Because I think there's, there's a huge undertreated number that we have right now. I mean, even just looking at seeing how many people are boarded out medically because of a rib fracture. Um, or from chronic pain from fractures. Yeah, that seems like a fascinating study to be able to compare outcomes when insurance and other issues is not an issue. Aren't yeah, aren't a factor and aren't holding you back, and you're free to just play it as quickly and as you know frequently and as many as you think you need to do. I think that'd be a fascinating study to do comparison groups with that population versus the general population. It seems like it would be a very Interesting comparison. Well, and the endpoints are totally different, right? Maybe we can uh, talk some of your fellow centers into doing something and do some sort of analysis about that. That's a good point. Well, I was saying you could look at PT scores. I mean, there's a lot of data that these folks have. You know, what is their physical fitness score before or after? Do they progress in their career or return to duty or, or remove from duty? I mean, there's great potential endpoints that are tracked on all soldiers. That's, I think, 
a very interesting study yeah, because that's, that's a fascinating a, a big percentage of the patients that I'm plating now are more form fitness function, you know, athletes, cyclists who drop. And I'm not fixing because I'm worried about pneumonias. I'm fixing because they want to go climb in the Dolomites in three months. And I think that it's probably yeah. going to be better for them. I think the trend is we're plating more for quality of life than survival. I mean, if you look now, I mean, there's broader indications to do it now Absolutely. for quality of life, agree more. which is huge. Well, and I think it's an indication that that will probably why the market will continue to grow as one, people continue to live longer and two, want to have a higher quality of life. And so not, you know, not just in the military capacity, of course, but just in general patient terms, you know, as we continue to see our population overall, you know, age, they want to live longer and healthier lives. It seems like this will be an especially important, you know, emerging technology. I guess I shouldn't say emerging because it's been coming for so long it's there, yeah. or it's been in place for so long, but it still feels emerging sometimes. Here we go. This is uh, the next U.S. multi-center There you go. Study. Yeah. I like it. Get to the research committee. That's right. Yeah. That's right. I'll call Dr. Lesperance next and say, hey, we need some help yes. down in San Antonio. <laughs> we need the one to start it up. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, that's for certain. We listen. Dr. Lesperance, if you're listening. Yes. yes. Let's shout him out. Good point. I doubt he's listening. Rich, if you're listening, I'll give you a hundred bucks. I, you know what? I oh. bet he is. He's All a right. pretty faithful CWIS member. I bet he is. You're so generous, Mark. I didn't realize <laughs> you were going to give such a huge grant to this new research project of a hundred dollars. All right. <laughs> Well, Dr. Cuadrado, thank right. you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. We're going to move on to the next phase of the podcast, which just is a quick set of updates from Sarah Ann. But before we do, the important question, will we see you in Charlotte? That's the plan right now. Okay, there we go. That's good. As far as next things, thank you, Dr. Crisco, for the lead-in. As far as stuff we have coming up, Thursday, March 9th, we have Journal Club at 1 o'clock Mountain Time. And... That will be um, Dr. Francisco Alvarez is presenting some research that uh, he's actually the author on that paper. So you won't want to miss that one on Wednesday, March 15th at 2 o'clock Mountain Time. But I don't have it right in front of me, but keep an eye on the newsletter and you'll see it or on the website. We have a webinar that's about breathing techniques. And I think that will be fantastic as well. And then we have case review at the end of the month. So on the 22nd, and that one is also, I think that one's at one o'clock as well. So keep an eye on the newsletter. I can't keep all the time straight in my brain. That's too many details to, to track down. So you can uh, keep that in your mind. As far as other items, I do want to shout out, of course, the summit is coming, but specifically we have a few companies already who have put their, their name on the dotted line and wanted to give everyone, you know, kind of an awareness of those companies. So a big thank you to Dupuy Synthes, a big thank you to KLS Martin, and a big thank you to CLR Medical. If you see any representatives from any of those organizations, please tell them thank you for you know contributing and, and signing up to be part of the Chesswell Injury Summit 2023. And if you see any representatives from companies that I didn't mention, please feel free to remind them that we are waiting for their agreements and we would like to see them in Charlotte. So nothing like a little social pressure to add to the moment. So that's, that's the shameless plug. Oh, and the final <laughs> announcement, I just have to say a big thank you to Dr. Brad Thomas. He's kind of our uh, main host from the host city. 
And so I am shipping many a boxes of equipment and things that we need delivered. It's all being stored at his house. And every time I type his address in, and I just did it twice more this morning with things that are going to his house, there's this little part in my heart that feels guilty, but mostly I'm just intensely grateful. So Dr. Brad Thomas, thank you. Everyone should thank him at the summit because he is doing us all a huge favor of being the extra space storage for free for CWIS for the next two That's months. Awesome. So That's big not, thank you. Probably not a little bit of stuff. Does he have an extra house for it all, Sarah? It is, it is not a small amount of stuff. I will say I'm sure that when I asked him and said, I just need to ship some things there, I probably should have been more specific about the square footage it was going to take. All right, guys, well, let's move on to the final stitch. Dan? I think that the, the future of these technologies, these techniques, they're going to translate to a lot of other specialties. You know, in thoracic surgery, just telling you last week, I did a pretty complex chest wall resection. It's going to be nice in a few years when I have the ability to use the techniques I use for fractures to give a better reconstruction to folks with malignancies or other congenital chest walls. So it's really blazing the trail for better understanding of the chest wall and surgical treatment of the chest wall. Fantastic. That's very cool. It is. And very exciting. My final stitch, I'm, uh, I'm about ready to go hit some bowling up with the family, a little birthday party tonight. Probably gonna roll 300, so probably need to go. I need to, after I get done here, I'm gonna go stretch and just <laughs> my, get myself ready to go. Absolutely. We wanna hear next week that you bowl the turkey. Two hours of preparation. I'm getting too old for bowling. I, I, gotta, get, I gotta get ready. Yes, stretchy pants. I hear that's, that's what you need. <laughs> Well, mine is, I had a moment where I see what's definitely got me through. I, I was running this race this weekend and I was, I was in the blue haze. It was not my favorite moment. It was really, really cold and I was ready to quit. Like I was standing at the start line and my parents actually came to the race with me and they rarely come to races because they're usually travel events and things like that. But this time they actually came with me. And so I was standing at the, the start line and I was desperately cold and I was text messaging my mom and I was like, hey, by mile three, if I haven't warmed up, I will just text message you and I will meet you somewhere because I'm quitting. <laughs> she was like, you never quit a race. And I was like, I'm quitting this time if I don't warm up, you know, <laughs> I was super grumpy about how cold I was. But I did warm up and I spent my time trying to distract myself. The race was actually in Las Vegas. And so I was trying to distract myself by naming all the members that we have in Nevada. And then I decided, okay, what do we, who do we have in the surrounding states? And so then I moved on to Colorado and Idaho. And like, I was just doing anything I could to not think about how cold I was and you know how it was not my favorite moment of life. So to all of the CWIS members that live in the Western half of the United States, thank you. Because I spent a lot of time thinking about you on Sunday as I was trying to make it through the race and stay warm. You made it possible. Although I will say it was a very cool race. Like had it not been so cold, it would have been really cool. It was Sunday evening. They closed the strip. So it started in front of Planet Hollywood and you ran all the way down the strip, down and out by the airport. And then you turned around and came all the way back and went back by like old Vegas, you know, and then came all the way back and finished in front of Caesar's Palace. But you got to, they actually closed the road. So you got to run and, and it was a night, you know, it started at sundown. And so it was super cool running like under the lights. They just had all these, like they did have cool bands out there and stuff. Like had it not been freezing cold, it actually would have been a really cool event to be running. 
What is freezing cold to you, Sarah Ann? Was it like 70 out? I mean, like 75? What, what, are we, what are we talking here? You know what? I feel your judgment. I just want you to know, I feel your judgment. No, thank you very little. It was 45 in Las Vegas, and there was this fierce wind. And so it wasn't, I will say, it was not that terrible, like between the buildings, but you'd suddenly pass a street where there was... A, basically a tunnel, you know, like on Flamingo Drive or whatever. And there'd be just this fierce blast of cold, cold wind that would be coming down the street, you know, and so it would just blast you with this cold air. And then you'd like hurry to run between the next. So you'd be between the casinos again, you know, because between the casinos, it wasn't that terrible. But the like Arctic blast that came between the hotels was really chilly. Were you able to stop off at the casinos and like throw 20 bucks down on a Surprisingly, no. And... No, I did not. I, I like money too much, so I don't waste it on gambling because to me, it's just, it's a surefire way to lose my money. It's all about mindset. Maybe it wasn't going to be wasted. Maybe it was going to be double. That's certainly <laughs> one person's perspective, some people's perspective, not my perspective, but it was really very interesting. I'll go. So I actually, I went and hit the slopes yesterday. It was perfect day to go skiing. It was probably like 30. So I threw a pair of shorts on and just shredded down the hill. So no, you're, you're right, Sarah Ann. 40, 40 degrees is pretty cold. I don't know. I think my speedometer said I was doing like 40, 45 miles an hour. So it was good. It was good. I, I eventually took my jacket off and it was just the t-shirt and the shorts. Again, but I feel your judgment. Does that wind just go through that that hair like whatever it does it does yeah i it gets to a certain point i'm like ah, you know me I'm a, I'm a safety guy so it's hard for me to take my helmet off but every once in a while you just have to and just feel it running mm -hmm. through yeah yeah, you know? yeah no so it was good sense. it was good yeah in all seriousness though, it was it was actually a pretty good day kind of slushy and it was probably about 40. there's a huge difference it was, between it was wearing nice. i mean was 40 there. in ski gear and 40 in running gear i think we can all appreciate that and not judge me. No, there's oh, no I judgment, feel your judgment. Sarah, none, none at all. Say, I ran in my Seawis jacket, I had my Seawis buff on, and my Seawis hat. I'm sure people were thinking, like, really? Rep the swag that much? Like, I'm certain I looked like our logo, like, puked on me, you know? But it was, it's warm gear, and it works. Like, it's, you know, I wear my Seawis hat for all my races, so. And then my Seawis jacket is bright pink, you know, so it's easy to find me. All right, I'll go. So my, my final stitch is that I had to work, which is just, man, work is a lot of work. Can I do my impression of Mark as a final stitch? <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bro, like, I had to, like, oh, man, I had to go to work today. Oh, it was just... Oh, there you go. I was going to say that. With, like, all that pow-pow I was hitting up over in Japan, and then, like, that rock flight. It was so oh, trip. <laughs> You're stealing it, man. The mountain's calling my name. I can't be working. This is ridiculous. Oh, my gosh. Oh, man. I don't know. I got to get a new job, man. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's... You got to work harder, right? Less consults. The hospital's closed. <laughs> got to work smarter, not harder. Anyways, yeah, that was my final stitch is I had to work, and it's work is... That's ridiculous. That's for the birds. I'm done. I'm going to retire after three years of practice. That's it for me, guys. Hey, Daniel, thanks again for joining us on Fractionalizing. It was awesome to meet you. Thank you. Great. Look forward to you. I'm excited to meet you in Charlotte, Dan. I hope we do get to meet. Yeah, same here. Look forward to meeting you guys. Okay. Charlotte it is. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. Everyone.